I get like it. It literally. I I heard nothing that you said. All I all I all I saw was your head move <laughs> and then freeze, and then you stop talking. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to episode 12 of Pop Cult X. This week we're going to be talking about pop culture once again from a Gen X perspective. Here I am again, your co-host Gabriel, and as always, my other host... Other host, Daniel. That's your cue, Daniel. <laughs> co-host, Daniel. Daniel. <laughs> uh, awkward, pa- awkward pause. So the theme of tonight might be technical glitches because it's been that kind of a day for me. So if I sound a little angry, it's because I'm bursting with rage right now um, because my (laughs) computer is not working the way I want it to work. Um, So uh, I'm trying to learn how to let go. So if you hear me counting, you know, to 10, you know, under my breath, it's because I I don't want to destroy anything right now in my house. Bunch of any holes in the wall, so uh, we'll try to get through it with a positive attitude and and uh, try to channel all that energy into a, a positive light tonight. So definitely, definitely, we goal. don't want you we don't want you going Hulk mode on anything else today. So we'll try and keep it to a minimum. Hopefully, with the technical difficulties, I do want to ask you a question though. All right. Okay, so we know you're a co-host here of Pop Cult X. We know you have your own. Um, podcast that you run, we want to. I wanted to get have our audience get to know a little bit more about you. So you've mentioned before you're a photographer. You mentioned before your creative pursuits. Tell us a little bit more about that. What kind of photography do you like to do? What What do you enjoy? Um, as of late, I think that I'm starting to lean towards more of a documentary style photography. I'm, I'm getting a little bored with the fashion photography that I've done in the past or doing just headshots. Um, so I consider myself a lifestyle photographer um, slash maybe photojournalist documentary type photography. I'm, I'm really into the genre of street photography right now. Um, with the pandemic, my photography has sort of been put on a hold when it comes to shooting people because I, I don't really think that it's a very dynamic look to have a mask on someone's face while I'm shooting them. Um, so I've, I've kind of done some stuff in like New Orleans, some landscapes, some architectural travel photography. Uh, but mostly I am interested in working with people, the dynamic between the photographer and the subject. Uh, and so that's where I'm kind of leaning right now. I, I do like to capture people's personalities within my images. So um, that's kind of what I'm doing right now as far as my photography. Um, I, I am trying to do a, a bit of uh, brainstorming when it comes to some other topics or uh, projects that I, I want to work on in the future. Uh, one being maybe some writing. Uh, and uh, so I'm working on that stuff too. That's kind of uh, in the works. Um, but as far as the photography, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So if, if someone wanted to go see your photography and take a look and see through the eyes of Gabriel, where could we find your work at? Right now, it's mostly on my Instagram. Um, so it's uh, available on the Instagram app. Um, let me pull up my app because I, I change my, my name quite frequently because <laughs> I'm insane. And so right now, it's loud underscore brown underscore proud. 
Um, that nice. kind of coincides with my other uh, podcast that I I, I uh, sort of run on my own, which I, I haven't really been focused on because the the, fo- the focus has been on Pop Cult X. But uh, I, that's my current Instagram uh, username. Um, right now, just kind of strolling through images, I have a lot of older stuff that I posted, uh, a lot of people that I've worked with, a lot of uh, entertainers, a lot of headshots, uh, models, uh, actors type stuff, some of my travel stuff, and then some of my dogs. Um, so it, 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 I, I tend to be um, one of those kind of artists that likes to start over again and refresh and get rid of old stuff and then you know uh-huh. change the format of my Instagram or my website. I, I'm never really fully satisfied with the way things look when it comes to my artwork, um, which I oh, constantly work on. I hear I'm you. trying to just kind of put stuff out there, but um, it is what it is. So that's where you can find my stuff right now is on my Instagram. Um, and yeah, that, that's where you can kind of get a look at what I do. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I know I follow you, of course. So I've seen a lot of your um, work that you're sharing as Instagram stories with a lot of the filters that you have on there for um, Pride Month. And I thought those were really cool. So I wanted to just, you know, highlight you a little bit and share that out. Make sure people go follow you loud underscore brown underscore proud and definitely go check them out. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Danny. And and, uh, sorry, but yeah, just to do a mutual appreciation thing right now. Uh, I, I have been a fan of your work as well. Um, as our listeners know, um, you also are a photographer and that's, I think one of the common, um, traits that we both have is that we're both visually creative people. Um, so that is something that, you know, we have bonded over as friends is being able to kind of talk shop. And I'm at one point, I think we've even done like photo shoots together, um, along, Mm -hmm. you know, probably a decade or so long ago, uh, (laughs) but, um, worked on some stuff together. So, uh, so yeah, we're kind of kindred spirits in the sense that we're both visual artists, um, and have a lot of different interests. So that's kind of almost how this, this podcast came about is, you know, we, we talk about those sort of things to begin with offline. So why not do it online and let, you know, other people kind of in on our, our thoughts on uh, all things pop culture. So true. So true. So that being said, what has caught your eye this week or any hot topics that you maybe you watched something that you really stood out to you? Um, I think you know where I'm going with. Yeah. This. So I, I finally yeah, I finally got to see the con the new Conjuring movie. The uh-huh. devil made me do it. We, we had a podcast about it where I talked about the real life story and um, it finally came out on HBO Max. So I, I had to watch it immediately. And I do have to say that I was I was pretty satisfied with it. I mean, it's not um, it's not the scariest film that I've ever seen. The Conjuring franchise isn't necessarily kind of go for that. I think it's like you know in the middle ground of of uh, scare movies. I think some people expect like these huge jump scares and things like that. Um, one of the things that was kind of impressive is is this has to do with possession. Obviously, the the devil made me do it. It kind of alludes to the fact that it's going to be about the devil, right? So um, one of the characters, or actually two of the characters um, are possessed and they have some pretty cool gnarly shots of them, like their bodies being contorted and um, body twisting and doing crazy things that, you know, regular human people shouldn't be able to do. Um, That was really kind of cool scene. 
and, and just in general, the thing that I really like about him is like the sort of the outside of the horror genre and, and you being scared, the heart of the films is Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, and they, they kind of show like the, like the romance and the love between the two characters. Oh, okay. And I think that really holds the film together because, um, they sort of go up against these like incredible odds, right? They're fighting ghosts, they're fighting demons, they're fighting, you know, Annabelle, all these different crazy things, but um, they have each other to, to kind of rely on. And, and I think it's kind of cool that it's focused somewhat on the relationship. That's what I kind of enjoy. It's kind of cool to see, you know, that couple, uh, you know, knowing in real life that they're both deceased is kind of, it's kind of sad because you, you know that, you know, eventually there's going to be the Conjury movie where, you know, it's their farewell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's this particular movie. Um, I think that they probably have one more coming out of them, uh, hopefully. Uh, I'll be sad to see the, the franchise end, um, but uh, it was really cool. It was a really cool special effects. Um, nothing out of the ordinary when it comes to, you know, things that we've seen, you know, possession, you know, their eyes kind of glaze over <laughs> and they have like white pupils um the contortion so like nothing like genre defining or or redefining if you will redefining moment uh, no split but it's like soup. sort of yeah no no throwing up on priest um there are uh, really there's a really cool like fight scene with the priest um where he he kind of gets something thrown at him and gets like knocked out that's kind of cool there is a really so i don't want to do any spoilers but the villain in the movie is kind of cool and kind of not necessarily expected. So um, that was kind of cool. I don't want to ruin it, but the villain in the movie is uh, interesting. So I'll leave it at that. Um, so okay. when, if you watch it or if, you know, people kind of gets more into uh, more views, you know, maybe we could talk about the villain in the film, but um, I found it to be kind of an interesting a turn of events like uh, you know you think it's just a demon uh possessing and then you find out it's other things i still kind of find it funny that you know a demon would possess a little kid i i just think that's <laughs> weird it's funny like they, i don't know it just we talked about this on the other right. podcast but it's like why would you possess a little kid like they have like literally zero power uh i don't even get the whole like possession thing like what's in it for the demon like you, you climb out of the pits of hell, jump into someone's body and, and do what? Like, you're not a cop, like it's totally not worth it for the demon. Like what is the cost benefit analysis from that point of view? Like, I, 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 so it's, you see the devil down there looking at his ROI. He's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, okay. Um, they're swimming against the stream, like to get into, you know, earth realm, um, to possess a little kid to freak out their parents. And then, and then that's it. Like, that's all that has ever happened. Right. Like it's right. not like they possess the president or have they, and have then they, yeah. right. Or, you know, someone of power and do something really crazy. Like growing up, um, you know, I always kind of, you know, biblical Catholic kid, I've always kind of waited for the end times or like signs of, uh, but like, it doesn't happen. Like all the scary stuff that supposedly exists or is supposed to happen never happens. So it's like, mm-hmm. when is that exciting stuff supposed to happen? Like, exciting the stuff. Fire? <laughs> I, 
in a way, right? It's like, it's, guess, okay, yeah. so some kid in Pennsylvania got possessed and, oh, he cursed at his parents and, oh, he contorted his body. So, like, come come on. Like, let's, I let's, am I asking too much out of demons now? Like, is is it too much to ask of them to, like, possess someone of note? Like, I don't I, it, it Just do more. Just be better, demons. Do better. Be better. That, that's, that's the mantra. Yes. Yeah. Be better. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> demons, be better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. A little disappointed in your your latest accomplishments, demons. So, haven't anyway. you seen the movie so, Little Nicky? Come on, right? <laughs> <laughs> they aspired to more, at least, right? <laughs> yeah. So what what did what did you watch? What what was uh, what was Danny up to? Well, I watched um, Raya and the Last Dragon, the Disney oh, nice. movie with um, about the hero heroine, I guess Raya, searching for the Last Dragon, who was voiced by Aquafina and not to be make a pun here, but I will. She slayed it as the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saving that one up since I saw the movie. So <laughs> no, it was, it was a good film. I really enjoyed it. I really liked the fact if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. But I really like the fact that there really wasn't a, a love story involved with it. So it was an yeah. adventure film. A lot of Disney films, you know, they always have, they encapsulated around some sort of love interest, love story in there. Yeah. And, but this didn't have it. And I thought that was really cool. So I really enjoyed that. Fact. That is cool. I, I enjoyed the, the cinematics of it. The animation style was really cool. Um, it was, it was, it was Pixar style. I mean, cause it was Pixar, I believe, mm. but it, it also had um, elements of more of a traditional animation style in a lot mm. of her, maybe dream sequences, I guess you'll call it. And, and the cinematic look when they pull back for some of the fighting scenes was really cool. So, yeah, yeah I, I recommend nice. it. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say I'm looking forward to Loki coming out yeah, Wednesday or June 9th. And so I'm really looking forward to that. Other than that, I've been watching my show's um, Mythic Quest. They had a really great mm-hmm. episode. It was like a a backstory episode where they featured a young F. Marie Abraham's character. They told his story of how he became a science fiction author. So it was really cool. It was brilliantly directed by Rob McHale Henney, um, which I also started watching. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. So I'm like three episodes in. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like, it's, I especially wanted to listen to it after hearing him on a, other podcast <laughs> that we listened mm-hmm. to and he was the guest star on that other podcast and the one of the hosts on there had never seen any of his work i won't i won't drop what? any names there but jason bateman how dare you um wow so now i'm beating bateman to watching the show so i just want to you know kind of get that little dig in there <laughs> that's really surprising like what what is jason bateman so busy that he can't <laughs> Oh, wait, he's a Hollywood actor star, yeah. so I guess. <laughs> I, guess he has, I guess that's a good excuse. <laughs> he has his reasons. I'm not going to um, deride him for that, but it's. I'm just glad that I'm finally beating him at something, even nice. if it's just that, watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> You'll always have that, Danny. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love the, the contrast between our, our weekends. I'm watching like The Conjuring, Devil Made Me Do It, 
you know, disappointed in, in the demons and you're watching Disney Channel Raya and the Rainbow Dragon or whatever it's called. Yes, quite. quite. But, but at heart, I'm like, oh, I love the love story in The Conjuring. And you're like, thank God there was no romance in the Disney movie. <laughs> that is so true, huh? Oh. oh man, that's that's very true. One thing that I wanted us to talk about this episode and that we both have in common is our enjoyment and love of all things cinema and movies. Um, so I really yeah. wanted us to focus on movies from our youth. And now I had a back and forth with myself. And what do we define youth as? Is it like, you know, elementary school? Is it like up to high school? Is it up to what would you call your youth? So I, 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 for myself, I classified it as elementary school up to like ninth grade. Yeah. So that's what I called my youth. Right. To, that's where I picked my movies from. And I had a lot to choose from that I, I really went back on and movies that I know I watched repeatedly that I can mm-hmm. still quote today that um, had an influence on my life in some shape, form or another. So with that being said, give me one of your movies that you maybe fit that description for you. Yeah, so I I went a little bit differently at it. So not only did I do like my favorite movies from my youth, but also ones that are sort of stand the test of time that are like modern day classics that like, okay, you know, my nieces or nephews or, you know, young kids today would watch, you know, sit down and watch it the way I sat down and watch like Wizard of Oz or something like that. Something Mm -hmm. that is just like forever going to be on TV. So the first one that I picked was Gremlins that came out in 1984. So I was about six or seven years old when that Mm -hmm. came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Totally was like, loved it immediately. Like I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, You know, loved the the (laughs) dynamic of the, you know, the cool, innocent Mogwai, like, you know, fascinated by that. And then like the evil, gremlins that emerge from the mogwais like you know you have to follow the rules like it was a lesson that you know teaching you know you have to abide by rules i guess and and uh just really cool like the gremlins were like something that i'd never really seen before um it, which kind of got me into like i wouldn't say necessarily horror i don't def- define that movie as a horror movie but like would you define creature? it as a christmas movie i would i think it's one of mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite christmas movies uh and like i just i it it kind of got me into like those whole like creature feature movies like gremlins being one of the coolest creatures that are probably on movies like i mm-hmm. i i just i love that whole thing like one of the grossest things of the movie is when they eat like the chicken and like they like eat it really fast and devour the chicken that still grosses me out to this day like i don't like eating like chicken with like on a bone like i like eating chicken i'm such a weirdo i like eating chicken like boneless chicken or you know chicken like disguise and stuff but like i think it just looks really bar- like really gross and barbaric to like eat chicken like a gremlin that's like it literally that's what it reminds me of and uh so i guess it had it's impacted me for my whole life so wow, um, but yeah, yeah that was one of the down to that- how you eat your chicken yeah right yeah uh and so it it is a classic i think it it pretty much probably is showing somewhere in the world around christmas at all times like Mm -hmm. it's a classic it's you know you definitely can tell that it was filmed in the 80s or that it came you know it's of that era but it's it's 
it's timeless. Like there isn't anything in there that's like embarrassing to look at. Like the special effects hold up. Um, the voices are still funny. Like I think Howard Mandel was the voice of, of uh, Gizmo. Um, it's just funny. It's funny. It's cool. It's uh, sort of got a, you know, creepy element to it. And uh, it's, it's a classic. It's a modern day classic. Definitely. I, I remember the scene that really sticks with me is the mom's use of the microwave as a weapon mm-hmm. to kill one of the gremlins and it, it exploding in there. And that always, whenever I see a microwave now, I picture a gremlin just exploding. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Just... I mean, would we call that like a trauma traumatization of us as youth? <laughs> like we can't look at microwaves or fried chicken the, the same way. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, obviously it has had a lasting impression on both of us. But yeah, right. it, it had very cool moments like that, like the way they killed the gremlins. Like it, it. I think I don't know if I talked about this when we talked about zombies, but like how like gremlins or zombies or like monsters in general allow us to get out our aggression. Like if that were real, you kind of can kill a monster without feeling bad, right? Without any like you guilt. don't feel yeah yeah yeah. Like it's not like like I think that like in previous generations they had like the you know the fear of communism or or like they had a hatred for you know others and we can't now that we're like educated you know we don't really hate people that way like we understand that you know people come from different cultures or have different perspectives so you can't really like war isn't like cool like you can't really like say oh yeah i can't wait to join the army and go kill people but you can still say like if there were gremlins like i could easily go and kill a bunch of gremlins and you know not feel guilty about it until like the yeah, gremlin uh, population <laughs> starts to ask for gremlin rights or something. I don't know. <laughs> gremlins are people too. Yes, exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I could just picture uh, my, that. My oh anger my is starting to subside. And then like my stream of consciousness with thoughts are starting to, to kick in. So <laughs> So they don't just get weirder and weirder from here. <laughs> hey, sounds good. We picked the right yeah. episode to get weird with, I guess. <laughs> right. So what was uh, what was your movie? Okay, yeah. Um, so my first movie that I chose, I mean, I, I went through a list, and I actually still have a list that I'm still debating. But since we're you talked about 1984, I'll go with a movie that came out in 1985, and it is a classic. It is the first movie of a trilogy starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd. And it is Back to the Future, if you hadn't guessed it by now. Um, Back to the Future, to me, was one of the first movies that I saw that maybe a lot of people saw about time travel. And, you know, a lot of rules uh, about time travel were imbued on me based upon that movie. And, And it's funny because even, like, more recently with, like, Avengers Endgame, they talk about Back to the Future and how that is, how how they thought time travel worked. And... And it's yeah. because it's such a great movie and such a classic. I mean, I always thought, you know, if you can't go back in time and talk to your old self, because then you'll destroy the whole time, space, time continuum, whatever Doc yeah. Brown says. And even today, it's like, I'll go and I'll quote, oh, that's heavy. Or, you know, some of the liner one liners from yeah. the movie, and it's really stuck with me. And even part two and part three, which are a little bit beyond, I guess, my youth. Well, maybe they're still in the time of the youth, but... Part one, Back to the Future, my first movie. I mean, the DeLorean, everything about Michael J. Fox in that movie. And 
and it was just just a great movie. Really enjoyed that movie. Nice. I, I there are a couple of comments or or um, yeah. No, no comments that. allowed. I turn the comments <laughs> off for this portion of the episode. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I'm about to go off. Um, so so first thing first is the cast is great. I, I that's the thing that I think I like best about back to the future is that like it was really cool because you have the actors playing you know michael j fox's parents then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. their high school age um crispin glover crispin glover being the first one i think um yeah. being someone that i really like because he's a fucking weirdo in real life yeah, like that's true he's bonkers <laughs> like totally bananas <laughs> like um uh, and so i i just i like him um, and I th- want to say that there was, he only did the first one, right? He didn't come back for the other two movies. No. Cause they killed him off in the second one. And oh, was he in part three at the end? Yeah. I think there was some weird, like studio Crispin Glover B stand in or something like, yeah. Like where they didn't, <laughs> they didn't like work well together or something. And, okay. And so anyway, um, so that too. was, that, that was cool. Um, I, I, I like the movies. But I'm not like a huge fan of that whole space time continuum. Like, you know, be careful what you're gonna do. Like, right, right. And and like, oh, you you uh, you know, you accidentally you know bumped into that person, and then he turned into Hitler, and now you ruined the world or whatever. Like, I there there's an episode of The Simpsons where um, Homer keeps fucking up the like time travel and and then there's a part where he's just like fuck it i'm gonna get a baseball bat and just like hit all he keeps going back to like prehistoric era Mm -hmm, and he's mm -hmm. like let's just go crazy like and i feel like that's how i would it might be the rage still like i'm holding on to but i would totally just go back in time and be like you know what i'm gonna do anything that i want let's just i'm gonna bring a, a four loco from the future with me i'm gonna drink I'm going to bring a baseball bat and I'm just going to go off. Like anyone looks at me the wrong way, <laughs> any endangered species that I come across, let, let's see what kind of damage we can really do. And then go back to the future and just be like, okay, cool. We're, we're like lizard what I people did. in the future now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> we had to evolve tails and grow scales because of what Gabe did in the past. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> so that that's the only thing that bugs me about those kind of movies is like, oh, I got to go back again. Like, here we go again. Like, it's uh, there's a uh, uh, episode or or uh, a sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street where where they do that with dreams, where like the one of the main characters keeps waking up and like, wait, am I dreaming? And then like they redo the same action again, and they're like, wait, am I dreaming? And it's like a, t- a loop. And it's the like most fucking death annoying day. thing to watch. Yeah, like it's just I can't I that annoys the hell out of me in movies, like when they're repeating the same day or I'm so impatient. I, it gives me like anxiety. <laughs> like I would I would just like kill myself or like that's really harsh to say that, but like I would I would just like float in a pool or something. Like I would just be like, fuck it, I I'm out. Like I'm not gonna well, try to do anything. Like Okay, so I, I, it's, you're talking about floating in the pool. There's a movie with um called Palm Springs where he's stuck in mm-hmm. a loop. Andy Samberg, and he's. Yep. It seems like he's where you would be at in that loop environment where he yep. just like does whatever he wants, doesn't care anymore, and he just takes a day off or whatever, sits around, floats in a pool because he knows 
when the sun comes up again, it's just going to be the same day. Yeah, so. I saw that movie and and I related to that because I'm like, it, it, it would be literally hell. Like, I, I can't think of anything <laughs> worse than having to relive the same day or be stuck in the same. Ugh, it would be horrible. So anyway, anyway, that's my weird thoughts about Back to the Future. But it is a classic. I agree with you. Like it. it but the other thing, too, is it did it give us a false expectation of the future? Like, are, have we hit the mm-hmm. years that? Yeah, we've already passed the all the future. years. I yeah, I think we've and already we passed don't all have the years. Anything right? Right. No, no hoverboards. Cars, no flying no cars. Hoverboards. No time travel. Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah, a You know what? Fuck Back to the Future. <laughs> Was it Steven Spielberg that made that? Um, or Robert Zemeckis? I think it was Zemeckis. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure it was yeah. Zemeckis. Let me get over there. Fucking just Bob. Off of it because <laughs> you got you, you got me thinking about time loop. Another great one was Groundhog Day, and that was one of my favorite movies. Groundhog Day, watched that forever with Bill Murray, and in another instance where he's stuck in a in a loop and he just decides to he can't get out, so he just does whatever the hell he wants. And yeah, I think that's where at some point that's where I would get. Right. I mean, I couldn't get through the movie. I couldn't sit through it. Like I'm a big Bill Murray fan, like, but I couldn't, I just I couldn't even what? sit through it. So like what hat? like what, what's the moral of the, like, does he fall in love and that ends it? Like, does he like, what, he has to become a better result? person and it's more yes. about him putting other people first, other people's needs first before his own, you know, how his character was self-centered. I want to make a movie where in order to escape it, you have to be a worse person than what you started <laughs> off. <laughs> just every day you wake up and you do like the worst things and you just become a trash person. And by the end of it, <laughs> and by the end of it, you're just a shitty person. And then you finally get to live your, your future days. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Once it goes on, you're the worst person, and then you gotta reap what you sow, right? Is that it? Yeah. Now you're stuck in that. Or maybe you never get your comeuppance. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe you just you're just like the people that exist in real life that are shitty that never get their <laughs> karma. <laughs> That's true. No, you're right about that. I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, some people just. They're as shitty as they can be, but they never get what's coming to them, and that's just so annoying. Yeah, they like they win the fucking lottery. They win Oscars. <laughs> win the presidency. Come on. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, well, on the topic of movies, and this is just going to be a terrible segue. We had a guest interview today, and for this episode who was involved in movies. Let's go ahead and run this interview. We'll be right back. We're here today with Tom Devlin. Devlin, is that how you pronounce it, Tom? All right. And Tom is a special makeup effects artist who's been in the industry since 2001. He has his own um, special effects company called 1313FX. And his work in creatures and special effects makeup has been used in over 100 feature films. So it's really cool that we have Tom here with us today because our episode is, of course, as you know, centered around movies. Also, Tom is a the owner and operator of Tom Devlin's Monster Museum, which is located in Boulder City, Nevada, which is just a stone's throw away from Las Vegas. So make sure you go check it out when you have a chance. So, Tom, I invited you here um, because, like I said, we are 
pop culture podcast. And one of the things that I want to talk to you first about is how did you get your start in the industry? You know, what drew you to special effects? I, so I've always loved monsters and creatures. It goes way back to when I was a kid. I loved He-Man Masters of the Universe. Um, <laughs> right on. And, and really the characters from that series stuck with me forever. Like I, I loved He-Man. And uh, mm-hmm. when I was about 10 years old, <clears throat> I got real into the Toxic Crusaders, which was like the cartoon oh, version okay. of the Toxic uh-huh. Avenger. And uh-huh. it just went from there, man. I've always loved monsters and mutants and anything weird. Uh, and, uh, and I thought I wanted to be a comic book artist for years and years. And then I, uh, discovered horror films and and makeup effects and Tom Savini. And it really just, uh, kind of kicked my butt in a different direction. And, uh, (laughs) I, I just always wanted to make monsters one way or another. That's cool. So are you more interested in the monster creature creating side of it or like the special effects like you know like the slasher type blood and gore type movies 100 percent the monsters and creature creation um when i was a younger i mean of course i love gore effects and uh i like pulling off a a killer gore effect it's really cool (laughs) and that like you still get that adrenaline bump when everything works right because it's very hard to design where liquid goes and and how it's going to work. So it doesn't always work right. But uh, when it does, it's really good. And I've, I've done so much, so many zombie films, so many slasher films that I've got it pretty dialed in. But my uh-huh. my artistry and my enjoyment comes from the actual character makeups, the uh, the props and, and actual monsters. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Have you seen any change or, uh, I guess, more usage of CGI? How has that played a role in in what well, you love I, to do. Honestly, that's what Tom Devlin's Monster Museum is is here for, is to celebrate and explain to people the art of special makeup effects. Because right on. there's something that's very different with digital and makeup effects. And I'm not saying all digital art is bad, but when you watch 1968 Planet of the Apes, you remember what Dr. Zaius looks like. You remember what Zero <laughs> looks like. You know Cornelius. If you saw them on the street in cosplay, you'd say, oh, look, Dr. Zaius, Cornelius. But when you watch the more modern Planet of the Apes with James Franco, if there was somebody that showed you a picture of Bright Eyes or Caesar or any of those apes, you don't yeah. know who's who. Other than the face paint, you can't. You don't register this. As an artist, I can't go home and draw Caesar. And I can't sculpt Caesar because I don't. It doesn't register in my brain the same way that Cornelius or Zira would resonate in my brain. So that's something that I see very much when I watch these heavily digital um, movies. It's tough unless it's a character like King Kong or a Marvel character that you know the character already, like Thanos. Uh Then you can uh-huh. remember what Thanos looks like because you've seen him in print <laughs> for years and years. Right. But when you see that digital version, it just doesn't resonate in the brain the same way. I hear you. Yeah, no, I, I got what you, I understand. I'm picking up what you're dropping. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> but I do um, also believe CGI has a place in film. It's a wonderful yes. tool. And when used with creatures in a way that like Guillermo del Toro uses it, where he'll mm-hmm. augment the creatures with CG. That's what I was going to say. Beautiful. Yeah. And it's it's done with respect. I have a really hard time with full CG characters like Gollum. I think Gollum could have been an incredible makeup effect. 
And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, you look at things like the Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, you were talking about films from our childhood. And then you, uh, <laughs> and then you, you bring in Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. Well, my kids will never know that as a puppet or a makeup effect where it could have been something incredible. And instead it's this big CGI blob. You know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a fan. No, I think you hit it on the, the head there when you said it's a tool. The CGI yeah. is a tool that it, it should be used in conjunction or to enhance the artistry of the makeup effect because right. nothing is going to replace that. So I think that is perfect for that. Um, you were on Sci-Fi's Face-Off, face Sci-Fi's yeah, reality series Face-Off. Season one. Season one. I, yeah. I will admit I've never seen that, so I'll have to go That's back and watch it. Totally fine. <laughs> Was it how how was how was it being on okay for two questions how was it one being on a reality TV show and two how did it the end result end up from being from what you filmed or what you said was it so they I always hear that you know it wasn't what I said they misconstrued it or whatnot so I have to start with it was an incredible experience Um, Uh a lot of people hose like their experience on a reality show especially when they didn't win like I didn't win I thought I was gonna win. And at the end, I was kind of robbed. Like oh. I, I, I went home on a on a really, really, really good project, and it was very political and a, a kind of a, a kick oh, in the man. nuts. But it, what oh, it did to me was I didn't make it to the last episode and lose. I was robbed. So I had this huge fan following from okay. the show because right I would on. walk out, I'd go out in public, and I'd just hear somebody scream, "You were robbed." You were right, <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, but, but I have to You're say right. it, it, it was going, it was like going to makeup effects camp. I mean, they had every material you could ever want. They oh, had, cool. uh, you know, there's time crunches and stressful stuff, but I work on low budget movies. I don't know what a, a movie without a time crunch <laughs> is. So I had a whole lot of fun. You don't see it in the editing. I think they really cut my character down to make me look staler. Because oh, I think man. for a foot, I think for a good portion of the show, I was set up to win it, and when I didn't, they had to kind of switch gears. And it was, oh, I see. it's a weird thing because it was like there was a good versus evil thing going on, in my opinion. <laughs> and then when I went home, it's it flipped the script because it was like, wait, the bad guy just won. So like, wait there, a minute, <laughs> it, it was a uh, it was interesting, but so much fun. The fans that I've met through the show have been great. Um, a lot of people ask me, did you get the big work? Did the work change? Well, I, I'm a low budget guy. I worked for Full Moon and Trauma. And uh, <laughs> I did that before the show. And I continued to do that today. So uh, where it did change is in the haunted attraction industry. And also with the Monster Museum, you know, there's a small name recognition. So people right. uh, come to the museum and they love to talk about face off. I don't always That's bring cool. it up. And I don't, it's real interesting when someone comes in and I say hi to them, we talk, whatever, if I'm in there. And then they go through the museum, and when they come out, they're like, oh, my God, you were the guy. I watched you. And it's like, <laughs> they didn't know 10 minutes ago, but then they got reminded. Because it was 10 years ago, the show, 10, 11 years right. ago. So I look a little different, and, you know, um, I, I'm sure that sometimes people just don't expect it. Right. That's cool. Um, I can't wait. I hope someday, I hope someday that they put – the show on Netflix or Amazon. Oh, that would because be cool. If if it were on Netflix, I'd get a whole new audience. You know, it's been ten yeah, years. Yeah, for so, sure. So the minute some teenager presses play, 
I'm the first guy there. You know, I win the first challenges and, and all the way through. So I would get that new fanfare, but it hasn't been available anywhere except for like to buy. So it's, uh, oh, man. it's, diffi- so it's we, difficult to find our, our season. We need to start a campaign then to get you, get it out there because if people just watch the first couple episodes, hey, it's yeah. all you. Yeah. Seven. I'm on seven out of seven out of eight episodes. Nice. Yeah. So talking about low budget films, I've always been a fan of the independent horror movies. I think there's an aesthetic that that they have that I'm just really appreciative of um, because I think that it pushes people to be really creative and to do things that are outside of the box with what's available to them. Um, is that something that that you like about working in independent movies versus big budget productions? Everything that you just touched on is why I love my job. I like to push the envelope. <laughs> I like to, I like to, I, I thrive on not having everything and all the time and money because it, it really does allow me to be creative. It allows me to uh, supersede the odds and show up like a rock star and, and, and knock it out of the park. And I've done this for so long and worked with such little that I feel like I've, I've really found a flow to, uh, you know, Oh, you need a severed head. No problem. I got that. You know, whatever it is. And, uh, How many do you need? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, and it's really cool, especially when there's a film in trouble, like maybe they ran out of money or their effects guy quit and I can go and kind of clean up and, and fix it. I really love doing that. I just did a film, in December, January called Time's Up. And that was the case. They had an effects artist that just wasn't going to work out. No no problem to either the production or the artist. It's just not enough money, not enough time. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go and we did a month shoot in May. And I think, uh, I mean, it was awesome. And But it was cool because it's like, they're like, well, we would try to do it this way, but I know. And I'm like, no, no, we got it. We got it. You know, I love being, <laughs> I like being the guy, you know, and uh on the bigger budget, because I've worked on huge budget movies. The first okay. two years of my career were the biggest Hollywood stuff you can imagine. And uh, you're just a small piece of the puzzle. You know, you're a very small piece where right. I prefer to be the guy, you know. That's cool. Yeah. That is really cool. How does that, um, your experiences on set and, and working with different projects translate to the museum? What do you bring from that experience to the museum for people to expect when they go visit you or happen by it? <laughs> right. I think that um, the mo- I mean, not a ton of my experience from set goes into the museum because the difference with the museum is I'm not rushed. I'm not, and it's not, also it's not just in front of somebody in lighting covered with KY jelly and going to be gone in a minute. It's there. It's there to take pictures of. So there's right. a different level of quality that goes into the museum. It's mm-hmm. almost more of an art gallery for me because I'm not saying oh, okay. every everything like is that. perfect. It's right. not perfect. I don't do perfect artwork. I'm not a. Right. I'm not somebody who like Madame Tussauds. It's like mm-hmm. oh my god, that's so real. <laughs> Mine is very rubber because they're all rubber monsters. Uh, the textures are heavy. The sculptures are 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 what I call ropey, like a John Beekler or Gabe Bartolos look. Um, so my style, it, it's kind of a cool place to display my style, but it's right on. not really relatable to the set work other than the stuff that's in there that's left over from film production that I worked on. 
But the funny mm-hmm. thing is that's some of the crummier looking stuff because we make it to <laughs> fool the eye on camera, not to be stared at and photographed by, by a person, you know? Right. I see what you so mean. So like maybe the whole backside's not painted or it only has hair where you're going to see it on camera. Right. And then the back doesn't. So there's interesting little cheats that we do, but it's cool to show that off at the museum too. I think that's what I'd be interested in seeing is more of what you just said, how you cheated it for the camera. So yeah. it's like a little peek behind the curtain, so to speak, yeah. so that we can see what is, oh, that's how they filmed that. Or, you know, that, oh, that's cool because that's the part I saw was that little sliver. And exactly. maybe that's all you see. So that's really cool. And we do I'm have a little, like a little bit of that in there that shows that part off, you know. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. I, I don't know if you guys can hear me. It's going in and out. Um, but I noticed, uh, Tom, that you're wearing a shirt from one of my favorite movies of all time, Return of the Living Dead. I, I call it the greatest zombie movie ever. Yes or no? Do you agree? It is. 100%. Best zombie movie ever made. <laughs> I'm glad you guys both agree with that. I mean. I l- love it. I love it. And uh, Return of the Living Dead is. The thing is, is a lot of people think it's a comedy and everybody calls it a comedy and there's funny moments in it, but it is a great horror film. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite horror anthologies, I guess would be the Evil Dead series by oh, Sam yeah. Raimi. So Evil Dead 1, 2, and then my favorite is Army of Darkness, um, just because I guess more of the humor side of that. What about you? Any of your favorite movies? Um that you can share with us that maybe not even horror related, but just that have stuck with you throughout the years? Well, I definitely love the Evil Dead series, but I have a different order. I love part two, then one, then Army of Darkness. Okay. Um, But uh, no, I'd say like my favorite films from childhood would be Monster Squad, Little Monsters. Oh my Um, goodness, Monster Squad, yes. Yeah, I love Monster Squad. (laughs) Wolfman doesn't have nards. (laughs) Just do it. I I love... uh, I love the Karate Kid. I love Last Starfighter. I love, um, you know, I I'm an I'm a kid from the '80s and and through the '90s. So when right. it comes Just to like horror us. films, I love all the Friday Thirteenth stuff. Sleepaway Camp Two, you know, um, Return of the Living Dead is a huge one for me. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I I just love movies and it doesn't matter. A lot of people pin me as the horror guy, but I like all movies. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a film kind of goof. No, I hear you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I like all types of movies. Oh, Gabe's asking a question. Of how did music influence you? Uh, music. So I I do love music. I'm not somebody who lives my life by music, but I can tell you that like in high school, I was super punk, like punk rocker kid. And uh, I learned so much DIY from the punk rock community of not waiting around for a record label, not waiting around for a music video, not waiting around and mm-hmm. just doing it. And I mean, that mm-hmm. whole skateboard punk rock movement is kind of how I run my life. Like I don't wait to make, the, I don't wait to get a job on the greatest slasher film. I'll just make my own if I, if I have to, nice. you know what I mean? Yeah. I know um, what you mean. And the uh, same kind of thing with like, just, I will, I have this odd ability to jump into a pool without knowing if there's water in it. And that's kind of like, <laughs> that's what I've done with every aspect of my life. And, and it works. It always works. There's always water there. You know, and that was the monster museum. Like, hey, let's open this building and charge people to look at our stuff. And 
it isn't just a gimmick. People actually love it. They love it. And it's like, it's become a place where people come on their vacations. I had a, people propose to each other there. I had a wedding there one time. I oh, mean, wow. it's, it's crazy. People love the Monster Museum. And it's. And I get thanked every day. I got thanked today. A guy, a guy dropped off two candelabras and was like, I think you could use these. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for giving me these candelabras. <laughs> you know, that is really cool. So it is the music has influenced me in the fact of just stop talking about it and do it. But I am I am very into like I love hair bands. I love punk rock. I'm real into the whole Juggalo thing. I, I love ICP and what they stand for. Um, I just like I like uh, I like kind of underrated geniuses that people don't really think about i like that underrated geniuses definitely that is really cool yeah gabe was just saying that rock music and horror go hand in hand for him oh they 100 percent. yeah so i agree with that um one movie that i had was thinking about when i was asking you a question was the movie summer school i don't know if I you remember it. that movie oh, <laughs> the, that's yeah. a huge part of why i do what i do Oh, okay. Um, the, okay. I mean, the characters Chainsaw and Dave in Summer exactly. School, they were me in high school. And my buddy oh, okay. Andrew, he was like my partner. We called him Chainsaw, you know, because of that. <laughs> and uh, and the crazy thing, like we were going to come to Hollywood and rule the world. And I just ended up going by myself and doing it on my own. But uh, And I don't know what that guy does now. But Andrew, if you're listening, I'd love to know if you're still making horror movies. <laughs> yes, Andrew, yeah. get t- get in but, touch with us. <laughs> but uh, but I can say that yeah, I love summer school. Love it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I was just remembering. I was going through a list of movies, and that one popped into my head. And I used to watch that many times. That's who I discovered who Rick Baker was because I mean I knew Rick Baker's work obviously, and this is before the internet. But mm-hmm. the Chainsaw and Dave do a book report on Rick Baker. And, uh, okay, they, okay. They talk about right, right, right. makeup effects artist and creature creator Rick Baker. And <laughs> so I I took notice of that and, and then realized all the great things he was responsible for. That's cool. So movies do influence us a lot in our lives. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. 100%. Well, um, I won't take up too much more of your time. I really want to let people know they can visit Tom Devlin monsters and get all the information about visiting you guys there. They are located yep. in Boulder city. Actually, that's another question. How did you end up in Boulder city? Was there so, some secret to it? Did you just throw a dart at a map or is there history there? Uh, I was in LA for 15 years and uh, me and my wife, uh, she's a filmmaker as well. At that time um, we wanted to have kids and, not live in Los Angeles. So in 2012, we packed up and moved to Florida, uh, trying to get as far away from LA as possible. (laughs) And what I quickly learned in Florida was it's hard to make a living making monsters in Florida. So I was going to try to open a monster museum in Florida. Okay. Okay. And he started actually kind of working on it, but it it wasn't going to work out. There was like partners involved that didn't have the same vision. So we ended up, uh, I got a random job. I, I came out to Las Vegas and did a wrestling show for free show oh, okay. wrestling. And uh, it was awesome. We, we put all these cl- demon clowns and vampires. They were fighting each other. It was Gangrel <laughs> and awesome. It was so cool. 
but it was at this big haunted house called Helltown. And I remember I called my wife and I said, hey, what if we moved to Las Vegas? She said, why would we ever do that? And I said, well, there's haunted houses and there's wrestling. So that's cool. And hey. she was like, I don't know, whatever. And I got, I went home and we forgot about it. Three months later, I, uh, I got a call randomly asking if I would teach makeup effects in Las Vegas. Oh, and hey. without even thinking about it, I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. I mean, it was meant to be. I, yeah. I believe that it was meant to be. So I came here did the teaching job, stayed involved with the wrestling, uh, Freak Show Wrestling, which does crazy outlandish stuff here mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. And then I ended up rebuilding those haunted houses that we were at. Like I, it all worked okay. in a full circle. And then- That's uh, cool. But when I got to Vegas, I drove through Boulder City and I was like, this is awesome. This is like the town that time forgot. Mm -hmm, it's the most definitely. idyllic, like Stars Hollow- town that ever existed you know <laughs> and so we uh my kids are very young but they race bmx bikes and we would come up to boulder they have a, a like olympic class bmx track here and okay. we'd race all the time and one time my daughter won like the first time she ever won anything and i freaking was so excited we, we went out <laughs> for ice cream and i saw a house for rent and i said we're gonna live there and i got the house and then like nice. three weeks Three weeks later, we signed the lease on a building here to build the museum, and the rest is history. Like we just fell in love with this little town. That is so cool. Yeah. That is, and the really town cool. has really accepted us. I mean, this is a small town that's that's mostly locals. You know, there's mm -hmm. a growth cap. They don't build new houses. Right. A lot of families here go back generations, and I'm the guy, crazy guy, that drives around in a purple hearse with a coffin up on the roof. And they, that's you that you're that guy. Huh? <laughs> they, they have accepted us. So like, I mean, nobody's given us a hard time for being weirdos. And we do bring a lot of Hollywood here. We do celebrity signings every other month or so. I so saw bring, that you had Birch Patrick big there. Names. Yeah. yeah. We or had Butch Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Munster. We've had Lisa Wilcox from the nightmare on Elm street movies. Um, the folks from child's play. We've had the candy man, Tony Todd out here. Wow. We've had some big, big names and Michael Myers, uh, Tony Moran. And it's been so cool because the, the little town gets to see this slice of Hollywood. So that is cool. Yeah. We have on uh, July 10th, we're bringing Michael Bailey Smith, who was Pluto in the Hills of Eyes, as well as okay. uh, super Freddy from the nightmare series. So it should right be a lot on. of fun. Yeah, that's when that last question for you was going to be was, do you have any events coming up that you want to go ahead and, you know, um, try and promote a little bit here? Yeah, July 10th is a big one for us. Every July, first week of July or so, we do an anniversary party. It'll be our fourth year anniversary. And cool. uh, we have Michael Bailey Smith, but we'll also have all kinds of fun stuff going on and should be pretty cool. Well, right on. Thank you very much, Tom. Appreciate your yeah, time. Appreciate talking to you about uh, monsters and the museum and your your um, career in the industry and look forward to seeing the new movie you were working on and looking forward to getting out there myself. It's going to yeah, be awesome. an adventure. So once again, everyone, Tom Devlin and Tom Devlin's Monster Museum. You can visit it at TomDevlin'sMonsterMuseum.com. Thanks again, Tom. Have a wonderful day. Once again, we'd like to thank Tom Devlin from Tom Devlin's Monster Museum for joining us today. It was a great interview where we get to talk about movies and, you know, that's what we're talking about, movies. So it fit right in and his experiences on set and what led him to opening his museum. So once again, thanks, Tom. Everyone go visit 
when you're in Vegas or on your way to the Hoover Dam, stop by Boulder City and go check them out. So I'm definitely going to be planning a trip to to visit his museum. Uh, super cool, like right up my alley. Uh, one of the things that I saw online that uh, was really cool was a uh, gremlin spider hybrid from Gremlins 2 um, that I, was really cool that I, I want to check out. Um, oh, neat. Cool replicas, cool designs, um, killer clowns from outer space. I'm a big fan of that movie as well. He's got oh, a yeah, couple of too. those um at the museum i mean he has everything pretty much like michael myers um i think he has uh pretty much every like horror movie that you can think of he has um the exorcist he has uh reagan or vegan however you say her name um there uh i'll skip that section but uh definitely go over to like the puppet master <laughs> display that he has uh <laughs> you're like no <laughs> yeah take your cross the power you, yeah. of christ compels me to go over to the next exhibit so there you go <laughs> uh, i'll be i'll be moving on to that other one so um i i for those of our listeners that you know didn't hear my voice in their interview or if there is part of my voice that came through um i alluded to the fact that in the beginning of having technical issues so i didn't really get an opportunity to speak to tom which i'm really bummed about because he uh, seems like a really cool guy, um, has a resume that's incredible, worked on on tons of stuff that I'm huge a fan of. Um, and while we were, um, you know, speaking, I, I did get a visual of him and he was wearing a really sick uh, shirt from Return of the Living Dead, which is my favorite zombie movie ever. A uh, mixture of zombies, comedy, um, punk rock, rock music, like there, there's really not a lot to not like about Return of the Living Dead. So I was really um, looking forward to being able to kind of talk to another fan of that movie. Um, so we'll have to talk again in the future. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that I really didn't get a chance to participate in that. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is here. So. Yeah. <laughs> is It is what it is. I thought you is. were frozen for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy forgot to breathe or blink. <laughs> He's staring at the computer. <laughs> wow, are my, my words are that powerful. <laughs> it hypnotized you. It hypnotized you into not being alive anymore. <laughs> I was just so awestruck by your words. It was like, right. Oh. Yeah, it's it's inspiring. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, um, but yeah, they're really cool stuff that that you were able to talk to. Um, I, I can't wait to be able to visit the museum um, and see some of those props and uh, maybe take have some some uh, Instagram social media type moments, um, being able to take pictures with, you know, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, is a goal of mine. So I definitely have to cool. head out um, to Nevada to be able to check that out. Yep, you will. So very cool. So tell me another movie that you have on your list. Yeah, so talking about aesthetics of movies and special effects, uh, my next movie is from 1988, which is Beetlejuice. Uh, oh, great it's movie. Beyond a classic, it's like generation defining. It's mm-hmm. uh, I, I think like when Winona Ryder became like a star, like that was like her her gig, like that really broke her out. Michael Keenan as as Beetlejuice. Uh, Gina Davis and uh, 
Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, oh my God, I can't think of the the stepmom of the actress that plays her from Shit's Catherine Creek. O'Hara, uh, right? Catherine O'Hara, the great Catherine O'Hara. Yes. Who is amazing in the movie. Like, probably one of her best roles outside of like Shit's Creek. Um, it's just a cool ass movie. Like, the characters are. Let me back up. So, so Tim Burton, I think, has an aesthetic that is unmatched by a lot of filmmakers. Like he's mm-hmm. an illustrator, he's an artist. So he, I think, creates a world that you kind of get immersed in. So, like, mm-hmm. think of like the the creatures that he. It, it, they're very specific to his aesthetic, right? And that that's sort of the first movie that we're introduced to Tim Burton's realm, um, and it's just amazing. I love the visuals. I love the humor in it. Um, the whole idea that, you know, you're trapped in your house with these annoying, obnoxious, like New York (laughs) types and you're like simple, you know, country folk that, that, you know, would, would never imagine being stuck with those type of people and you don't know how to get them out. And so, you know, it, it just, it's, it's so funny. Um, you know, it, it, it's amazing. It's, it's such a good movie. There's so many good things about it. Uh, Michael Michael Keaton is is amazing in it as Beetlejuice. He's funny, um, mm-hmm. classic. One of my favorite movies of all time. I'll definitely agree with you there. I mean, there's so many classic moments to that movie, and and Michael Keaton just kills it as Beetle. Should I say his name three times? <laughs> kills it as Beetlejuice, <laughs> and, it, and it's it's. I still quote. I mean, some one of Winona Ryder's lines where. She's writing her like her, I guess her suicide note, and she's like, mm-hmm. "If you're reading this, I will have jumped, no, nay, plummeted off the bridge." And it's just that line <laughs> I, I quote that line all the time, just for random reasons. And it's just that movie's just so great. And I wanted to pick that one, but you took it first, so. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> honestly like the the part where they're having dinner, and and they get possessed by the ghost, mm-hmm. and they start mm-hmm. dancing to Deo and. Uh, it, it, yes. it's like a classic scene, um, you know, that where they're, they're, you know, wearing sheets and they come out floating and, and Lydia Dietz is not like <laughs> scared by them. She thinks it's her parents and she's like, what kind of kinky sex thing are you guys exposing me to? I'm a child. And then she finds out they're a ghost and then she's like, are you night of the living dead under there? I think that's like one of the classic right. lines that I love, I love mm-hmm. to repeat is like, are you night of the living dead under there? Or, or the other famous, um, line that she has is like uh you know i am the weird and then the unusual oh um, yes yes i think she's she she like immediately became like a goth icon in that movie just mm-hmm. skinny pale like big beautiful eyes like that's what that made winona rider like i was all i will always remember winona rider as that character like that's who she'll always be to me that's like perfect casting um and yeah uh, that that's pretty much all I have to say about Beetlejuice. It's a classic, and it is a modern day classic. It really is. So you you yeah you classified that one perfectly. Nice. What's your uh, next one, Daddy? This one's a, a a more of a cult classic now. It's um this one's okay right in the middle of the youth. And I saw this actually a lot of my movies I realized are more martial art movies. So um, nice. this one fits right into there, and it is the Last Dragon. It's a it's a martial art film. It's like a maybe like a black exploitation film as well, but it's mm-hmm. um, Leroy's search for the 
the the glow, I guess, and how he has to deal with um, the gangs in his town, you know, with um, Shona and stuff. I don't know. Uh, have you ever seen that movie, The Last Dragon? Yeah, it's a classic. I love it. Okay, so you, okay, cool. So you know what I'm talking about. And it's yeah. I watched that movie so many times, and I I really then you know as a youth I watched it because I was into martial arts and. But, it, you know, there goes an extended period of time where you don't see the movie. And then I'm showing my nephew mm-hmm. the movie for the first time. And it just realized how much of a classic it is and just how much it meant to me um, growing up and getting to watch it again, almost almost like for the first time. It was just reliving and all these moments from my childhood came back to me. And it's just such a wonderful movie. And it's right up there one of my favorites yeah and and it's another one that has like a clear aesthetic like they obviously are taking from you know iconic kung fu movies like the you mm-hmm. know bruce lee it's a rip off not a rip off but a, a rip off i can't say that it's supposed to be two words rip off or spin off <laughs> i don't know what i'm trying to say it's like an homage to bruce spin-off, lee's yeah. movies um with the yellow suit and the black and um mm-hmm with like an urban spin or take on it, which I think is really cool because I, I think that um, what maybe a lot of people don't realize it, maybe aren't subjected to it, but a lot of kids from like urban environments um, are really big Kung Fu fans and would, you know, spend the weekends like going to a movie theater and like watching all the old Bruce Lee uh, movies. Um, it, one famous group of people that were like influenced by that is the Wu-Tang Clan. That's, you know, where they got their their name from and how they were influenced uh, and and by those Kung Fu movies. So I think it's really cool that they merge uh, both of those cultures and then created that movie. Um, the other thing mm-hmm. that I like about it is that um, Vanity is in it. Uh, she plays, uh, yes, I true. guess, the love interest in the movie. And, and she was um, one of the uh, sex symbols for our generation. I think she's, uh, you know, uh, one of our Marilyn Monroe esque characters or figures <laughs> um, from our generation. Or and uh, and then I just look at the cast. Keisha Knight Pulliam was in it, who is from the Cosby Show. She played Rudy. Um, I didn't know she was okay. in there. I don't recall. Chaz Palminteri was in it. Um, William H Macy is in it. Like some big actors were in that film. Like right. I, I and uh, so it definitely is a classic, and uh, you know a lot of people that that are big stars uh, emerge from it. Um, but it it definitely is um, one of those films that for our generation is a, a milestone or touchstone for us that that kind of takes us back to our youth and and reminds us of our childhood for sure. This one isn't necessarily one that. I, I sit down and watch a lot, but from a visual perspective, um, A View to a Kill, with uh, James Bond movie from 1985. Okay. And, and the reason why is because it had Grace Jones in it. And okay. for me, she is one of the people that is an icon for me, like visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I like that movie, just the visuals of watching Grace Jones in action. She's like, everything she does has like such a creative artistic flair to it. Um, she had like all her costumes designed by, um, as Alaya, uh, who is one of her friends. Um, and she just has a cool eighties, like powerful, like sharp angular fashion. And that's what kind of appealed to me. Like I could almost watch it on mute, I guess. Like I just am there for the visuals. 
Um, but it is also a classic. Like it, it's definitely like an eighties film on um, the aesthetics of it, but in mm-hmm. a really cool, like classic fashion way. Uh, those fashions are definitely back in style, I think, or, you know, in vogue. And uh, I I love Grace Jones, like just to kind of like do an offshoot or a number four um, would be Vamp. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie with Grace Jones where she plays a a vampire stripper. Uh, If you haven't, you need (laughs) to No, I haven't seen that one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So again, classic movie. She plays a a vampire stripper. Um, She was painted nude so she has like these um almost aboriginal graffiti styled artwork that was painted on her by um legendary graffiti artist fine artist keith herring um so Uh again she like brings in a friend of hers that's within like her you know bubble of amazing you know wonderful artists um and then she has like this really cool like like harsh like bob hairstyle like orangish red um it, it just the visuals of her when you see it you're gonna be like oh my god that looks sick like she just it is it's like she's a stripper but it's not like an erotic stripper it's like a cool fashion art like she could have it could be in like a gallery that's how cool it is like okay. and then she's obviously a vampire and and it it's goes from there and it's just a really cool movie it's not totally arty like it it it, it is a horror movie and it's like an 80s genre oh, um, horror movie. movie um yeah so so you need to you definitely need to watch it but just for the visuals alone you mm-hmm. like you'll see and you'll be like wow that's freaking sick like that like is so cool to see grace jones like her dark skin in contrast with like the paint that they had on her and these really cool like modern like covering that they put on her like crotch and her chest to not fully show her nude uh and this it's just really cool it's just it's hard to explain if you haven't seen it but the marriage between keith herring's art on her body her physical appearance and the way she dances and moves in the movie is like hypnotic and cool and amazing it's definitely one of the coolest vampire movies that has ever been made cool i'll have to check that out yeah when you said grace jones my mind went to the movie boomerang with eddie murphy and that's that's where i picture when i picture grace jones that's the movie i picture her in strong j yeah she's a classic (laughs) it is (laughs) i had a few other movies that were right on the cusp of what I would call the cutoff for my youth. And I'm not going to get into them, but I'll just go and list them. There was like um, Wayne's World, Rudy. Um, what else was there? Like, I think Adam's Family was right at the edge of it there. Um, and those are all like three classic movies to me. I mean, Wayne's World, I go around quoting that every day almost. Rudy, I always was told that I looked like Rudy growing up, like Sean Austin. And... Um, so whenever people would try to cheer me on, they'd be yelling, Rudy, Rudy. And um, so that's one of the great movies there. And, <laughs> and Adam's Family, of course, Adam's Family, another classic. Yeah, Adam's Family is probably one of my favorites. Whenever I think of Adam's Family, I always think that it's a Tim Burton film, but it's not. It's a Barry Sonfield film. And because it has like that sort of vibe that you would get from like a Tim Burton film, but 
but um, with Angelica Houston, Raul Julia, also Christopher Lloyd. It's just, it's just a movie, a timeless movie. You can watch it over and over again. Yeah, and I, I think the cast was perfect. Raul Julia is like icon god. Like he's a, was a great actor. Um, he will always be like the Adam Gomez for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And same thing with Angelica Houston. Like really, just like a stunning. Like I, I, I mean, I don't want to. It's not an insult, but like a different style of beauty. Like she's uh, very statuesque and not a standard beauty, but definitely a gorgeous woman. Um, very, right. you know, strong and, and holds her own in, in any kind of scene that she was in. And then a young Christ, Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams, who I, I do kind of feel like she was biting Winona Ryder style. Like they thought like, let's get a Winona Ryder type. <laughs> and they're like, okay, let's get Christina Ricci. Cause Winona Ryder is a little too old. Um, but I, I love Christina Ricci as well. I think she's gonna mm-hmm. be, she's gonna be in the Matrix Four. I just yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know they were making a Matrix Four. To be honest. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't I didn't know that they were even making a four. I thought it was done. Um, but uh, Christina Ricci is joining the cast. Uh, Keanu Reeves and yeah, I'm looking at the cast right now, and it's wow, they got some heavy hitters in there. Yeah. Uh, I can't see anyone else other than uh, Priyanka Chopra. Um, who else is going to be in it? Um, so there's Keanu Reeves, of course. Carrie Ann Moss is reprising her role as Trinity. Christina Ricci. Um, Jonathan Groff is going to be in it. Neil Patrick Harris. Jada Pinkett Smith. And those are the ones that stand out for me the most right now. But I'm sure the rest of the cast, knowing the director, is directors are going to be great as well. Yeah. And it's cool to see that Jonathan Groff and Neil Patrick Harris, both uh, two out actors, are going to be in it. So, uh, I mean, is the Matrix a is that a futuristic? Does that do we consider that the future or the present, but just outside of being in the Matrix? I was going to make a joke about there being gay people in the future and and the straights not getting rid of us, <laughs> but then I'm like, wait, the Matrix isn't really the future. We're right. Right. It's the future is outside of the matrix. So the matrix is set. What I think it's the, the machines have decided like the nineties is like the ideal time frame for human existence. So it's set within that realm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so it should be, it should, it should be cool. I'm excited to see Christina Ricci again. Um, she's a badass. I love her. She, and again, very unique looks like if mm-hmm. i had a, a top 10 list of like celebrities or like a-list stars that i could f- photograph she would definitely be one of them uh she Ooh. has such a unique beauty uh That's a that topic i would i would kill i right that that is a good that is there's our next episode right there i You're agree welcome. yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> there is our next episode so everyone stay tuned next week where we talk about who we'd want to shoot <laughs> with, with a camera, camera. <laughs> yes <laughs> i wanted to make business well, <laughs> cards that said like i shoot people and then like have my name and just like try to pretend like i'm a mercenary and then i'm like well that might not translate that well in like today's modern day age of like gun shootings like every other day but i thought it was funny no i i think it's funny too because i i would like to use it as my tagline i'll i want to shoot you and 
with my right. camera. Right. Right. It, 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 it works uh, for that me. Or like I wanted my name and then like on the opposite, the, the, like my name and on the other side of the business card, like stealing souls since like 2000. <laughs> yes. Cause you know, how like before they used to say right. that cameras could steal your soul. <laughs> That's perfect as well. <laughs> no one steal my ideas. I, I won't steal them if I get them done first. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, everyone, thanks for tuning in. I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up here before Gabe shoots his computer anymore. Um, and it's about yeah. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so again, thanks anyone for... in the San Diego area that hears a loud crash and a computer sound that is a computer hitting the, the concrete. That's me throwing my Mac outside the window and smashing it into a thousand pieces. Just in case you're wondering if you hear you're that. Gonna, you might be able to hear it in Nevada. You're going to take it up to a hill like an office space with a bat like they did with their printer and just go to town on it. Yeah, I, I'm literally going to hike right now to Cal's Mountain and <laughs> just, so, just so I can destroy my Mac. <laughs> Sounds good. That's how angry I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exercise and hike just to let out some aggression. That's how I am. <laughs> But on that note. <laughs> yes, on that note. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Stay safe. Stay out of my way tonight. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Pop Cult X. <laughs>